the Self-Satisfied Podcast. I'm Britta. And I'm Cassie. Cassie, how was your week? My week was good. I I got to hang out with you this weekend and two other friends that we have known online forever. And I was pretty excited about that. And got to go axe throwing, which I'd never done before. And, and I clearly feel like loved <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much that I took my son like two days afterwards. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it again. Yeah, it's it's definitely my new hobby. And I find it, it's very soothing, which is odd because you're throwing a deadly weapon. But, you know, I just, I feel very relaxed when I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I mean, work was pretty good. It's picking up thanks to the holidays, but still went smoothly. So that's nice. Right on. What was your bright spot this week? So my bright spot is over the weekend, obviously, I got to hang out with Britta. I had the chance to listen to Britta editing an episode, and it was so tedious and intensive. And I'm just extremely grateful for all the work that she's put into that because I know I would get tired of listening to my voice that much. I get tired of listening to my voice, like, right now, sometimes, but, like... I'm over it at this moment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's just, like, literally, like, little two-second increments constantly over and over again, and she just puts a lot of work into it, and I really... I already knew that, but I definitely got a better view of that this weekend, so I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I think that maybe... I don't need to be as obsessive with it as I am and listen to every part, three-second snippet, 40 times. But, <laughs> like, the perfectionist in me just has to has to make sure all those likes and ums is, are gone. <laughs> we have a lot of those. We, I, yeah, they're, they're intense. <laughs> uh, Britta, how was your week? Well, aside from the weekend, my week has been kind of a shit show over here. Um, Last week, I think I had mentioned that I was having some issues with my bathtub stopping up, and I finally got the plumber out here to take a look at it. And as with all things in a house that's a bazillion years old and (laughs) has been owned for a decade by terrible homeowners, that's me, that's me, the pipe that was leaking in the basement was a bazillion years old and had to be completely replaced and the guy did an excellent job and my shower is all fixed and I can be my low level of hygienic once again, but it did cost me $600, which kind of sucked. And then the same day on Monday while I was off work, our baler broke, our cardboard baler at work, and I didn't know about it till I came in on Tuesday, but like 70-80% of my associates' jobs is pulling cardboard off the sales floor throughout the day, so we get enough to make a giant Ford Escort-sized cardboard bale every day, and on Monday night... <laughs> They literally, they, I didn't know what was going on, so I could not give them any direction on it. And they were just throwing all the boxes in the corner of the back room, which my back room is very small. And now we have what I like to refer to as Box Mountain in the corner of the back room, which is about three or four pallet spaces wide and all the way to the ceiling, just cardboard boxes. And then... All week, we've been dealing with having to break boxes down and throw them into our dumpster instead of 
the cardboard baler where we normally do. So basically my last three days have just been cutting bark cardboard boxes so they're flat and crying and having <laughs> boxes. But, you know, Voxpocalypse 2021 is over. The baler Yay. was replaced tonight. And I... I ordered $80 worth of pizza for the staff tomorrow to enjoy for surviving what I alternately refer to as Boxpocalypse or Boxmageddon. I haven't decided which I like better, but, but I like to switch it up. <laughs> but we survived it. We made it through. And all in all, except for that first night where they had absolutely no direction and no idea how to handle it because they'd never handled anything like that before, they've done a really good job of keeping up with everything and, and handling it. So I'm proud of them in the long run. It just made for a exhausting few days. <laughs> Britta, what was your bright spot for this week? Well, since I don't have much to go on for bright spots, I'm going to go with the grilled mac and cheese sandwich at Panera Bread that I have had two of this week because I'm a glutton. Nice, nice. That is a delicious sandwich, so I do not blame you. This is not sponsored, and it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'll ever eat mac and cheese not between two slices of delicious toasted bread anymore. It's mac and cheese? Between, wait, mac yeah. and cheese? It's, it's I thought you grilled just, mac and cheese. I thought it was just grilled cheese. No. I thought you were just talking about the grilled no. cheese. Grilled mac no, and cheese? No, it's a sandwich. Oh my it's God. It's mac and cheese and it's grilled in a sandwich. Uh, that sounds and like a bright spot for an entire year to me. You're like, right, right. <laughs> I'm going to have, I'm going to have seven or eight more probably this week. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> Clear my schedule because I do not handle dairy well, but I'm. <laughs> It's worth it. I'm so having it. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> my digestive system. <laughs> so we have a couple announcements to go over. First of all, we're hosting our very first giveaway on Facebook and Instagram. So follow us on both of those to find out how to be entered to win a copy of Atlas of the Heart by Renee Brown, plus a self-satisfied tote and mug. And then our merch store is up and running. If you're interested, please check it out on our website, selfsatisfiedpodcast.com. There are some cool things on there, including items with our logo, or if dopamine isn't there, neither am I. And I also made a mug that said, I'm giving it the college try, and I didn't try college, so (laughs) that'll be there too. (laughs) Last date to order in time for guaranteed Christmas delivery is December 8th. Also, don't forget to check out our Patreon. There's a link in the show notes and sign up to become a patron for as low as $1 a month. There's lots of great perks, including exclusive merchandise just for signing up to select tiers. Wonderful. Also, if you guys could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast where possible, uh, it would really help to get our podcast more exposure on those apps. Apple Podcast is a big one, so if you use Apple Podcasts, if you could just give us the stars that you think we have earned and write as a little review, it would be greatly appreciated. And on kind of a sadder note, cue the violins. Last week, Cassie and I talked about how, you know, we are still enjoying doing the podcast, which for two people with ADHD can be pretty surprising and how we didn't really feel like it was draining. And I still feel like that is 
true, but it's not draining, but it is very time consuming. And Mm -hmm. given both of us work very demanding jobs and also have families, which are very demanding, and then are also trying to work on ourselves, it's been really hard to work on the podcast, work at work do the housework, work on our families, work on ourselves, etc. And the time crunch is real. Last week, I think I managed to get episode completely edited about 20 hours before I had to post it. So we're basically just not giving ourselves enough time to do everything. So I think we, after this week, we are going to have to start posting new episodes every two weeks to give ourselves a little bit more time to do things like editing and create other content, etc. Mm-hmm. Not to mention research. We don't want to be taking on these big topics like we have some serious stuff coming up and I don't want to come into them wholly unprepared and not sure what I'm talking about. So just to give ourselves a little bit more freedom to be able to appropriately research, edit, etc. and make sure that we're giving you guys the best content possible. We are going to have to spread it out just a little bit more. Hopefully, eventually, you know, if things slow down in life ever. <laughs> what is that? You know, we, maybe we, we can consider going back to weekly in the future, but I hope that that doesn't, you know, impede listening at all. Mm-hmm. We just have to do what's right for us. That's a thing that we're working on. Yes. So it seems appropriate. And I think, like, both you and I are going into really, like, essentially our busiest times of year at our jobs. And we enjoy doing the podcast, but it's kind of one of those things where we have to question what's best for our own personal mental health. And that would be to spread it out a little bit more. But like, if we ever get to the point where, like Britta said, things slow down, or if we're financially able to hire someone to do our editing or marketing or anything like that, then that is something that we can reevaluate then. But for right now, there's only so much we can do. (laughs) And right now the dishes are not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Nor the laundry, nor the showering, nor the researching. I'm literally handling a work text right now. So that's okay. okay. I'm going to eat my food. I'm eating my leftover Texas Roadhouse. Nice. You got some of those rolls? No, I ate them all already. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. Screw saving the best for last, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. I once learned a valuable lesson when I was in fourth or fifth grade. There was some kind of contest where we won Tootsie Pops. And I had like five Tootsie Pops. And one of them was the chocolate one, which is my absolute favorite. Mm -hmm. And I was, of course, eating all five because I'm a monster. And (laughs) I saved my chocolate Tootsie Pop for last. But then there was somebody who didn't get any Tootsie Pops. And they were like, can I have a Tootsie Pop? And the chocolate one was my last one. And I felt bad not giving it to him because I had literally just smashed four Tootsie Pops in a row. So I had to give up my chocolate Tootsie Pop. So I no longer save the best for last. I get the best (laughs) one first so that I don't have to give it up later. That's a very good way for you to not be selfish and selfish at the same time. Like just the right amount of selfishness. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like I'm taking care of myself. I'm eating the chocolate Tootsie Pop. You can have all the stupid blue ones. Right. I love the blue ones. The red ones are my favorite, but the the blue ones, I just love them all. I love the blue ones. I love the orange ones. The orange ones, I actually like, I'm into those. Brown ones, they're all good. I only like the brown ones. I only ate the other ones because there was a Tootsie Roll in the middle. I was going to say, why did you eat the other ones? I would have ate them for you. Because I'm a glutton. (laughs) 
probably a major source of childhood trauma for me. But <laughs> and today we're discussing Britta's uh, Tootsie Pop trauma. <laughs> The topic of today's episode. The real topic of today's episode is co-parenting. Cassie, would you like to tell us what the differences between co-parenting and parallel parenting are? I would love to. So co-parenting and parallel parenting are both essentially after you separate how you're going to work together to still be involved in your children's lives and still be a parent to them. Co-parenting is where you are solving problems together in the in the best interest of the child. When you're in a good co-parenting relationship, child transitions well when going between homes, parents attend school functions together, they compare notes on the child. So when she was at my house, she behaved this way. When she was here, here, she behaved that way. Punishments are kept the same from house to house. So if a kid is grounded at one house from TV, then they're grounded at the other house from TV. So it's very consistent. The kid knows that I'm not going to go to mom's and get away with this and I'm not going to go to dad's and say, hey, can I do this here? Lots of communication. Interactions are cordial and conflict resolution is done maturely and is not done in front of the child. Intention is kept to a minimum. Parallel parenting is basically ideally used as a last resort when co-parenting isn't really an option. And there's some situations where it's not an option. It's not viable. So you kind of have to figure out what works for you. So sometimes parallel parenting may be more beneficial in the best interest of the child. So this is when parents cannot interact or problem solve. Everything is kept separate. So sporting events, school functions, things like that. Going back and forth between homes with high conflict, parents can be emotionally detrimental to a child. So there is a possibility to do this successful. Um, And to do that, you want to have clear boundaries, still keep that communication and those lines of communication open. However, sometimes it's hard for certain parents to talk face-to-face because it resorts into an argument or what have you. So typically this is easier done via email or text message or written communication somehow outside of if there's an emergency. Time with the on-duty parents is not interrupted by the off-duty parent unless there's an emergency. And then when there's school functions, worst case scenario, they would alternate those. Or it could be like where one parent sits on one side of the auditorium and the other's on the other. So things like that. In this situation, drop off and pick up, uh, keeping your exchanges to a minimum and avoid seeing or speaking to the other parent. And if there's any sort of animosity or argument, if it does happen, at least keeping that child not present, making sure they're not there for that and there to witness it. Staying in the know, so both are communicating with teachers, doctors, therapists, etc., and talking to schools or coaches about events and functions that are going on and like both have access to school accounts and stuff like that. There's a lot of gray area when it comes to parenting, co-parenting and parallel parenting after a separation. And what works for one person isn't gonna be the same thing that works for another person. So some people do co-parenting extremely well. Some people have tried to do it very well and maybe they do attend functions together, but drop off and pick up is like, they still don't interact in that sense. So there may be some that people pick and choose from. There's no right or wrong, just as long as you're doing what is best for the kid. Right. Absolutely. Some of the instances where you might use parallel parenting versus co-parenting would be like in an abusive relationship. If 
you know, your partner had been physically or emotionally abusive towards you in your relationship, then obviously you guys are probably not going to be able to be very amicable after that for a lot of good reasons. If you were married or dating a narcissist, if you had a child with a narcissist, that could make it very hard. Karen Covey is a lawyer and she has a lot of good tips on co-parenting with especially narcissists. And she compares co-parenting with a narcissist to juggling knives while standing on a teeter-totter. It's a good comparison. (laughs) Yeah, because you're not on solid ground and you're almost guaranteed to cut yourself. She says that you should always put your parenting plan in writing and make it comprehensive. So you you really want to leave a paper trail, especially with somebody like a narcissist who is prone to gaslighting. You want to make sure that all of the hard boundaries are written out. Like, this is when you'll have the kid. This is when I'll have the kid. These are the events you'll attend. These are the events I'll attend, etc. She also suggests getting a therapist because they are experts at making you feel like you're losing your mind and they'll say one thing and then gaslight you and then deny it. So having a support group, a therapist, etc., is really helpful. And she also suggests using co-parenting apps. Cassie kind of mentioned putting things in text. It's There are a lot of great apps out there that you can actually schedule things and have everything written out in there and all your communication can go through that app. She also mentions using what is called BIF responses, which are brief, informative, friendly, and firm. So you're trying not to start a fight with your your ex-partner. You want to keep things as, as amicable as possible. So basically just get to the point. Don't be snarky. Don't be petty. Just say what you need to say. And then move on as as quickly as possible. And make sure that you are in control of your emotions. You don't want to feed the abuser. It's it's getting upset with your narcissistic partner is like giving a drowning sailor oxygen. And if you get emotional upset, they feel like they're getting all the power. And, you know, it just makes them stronger and stronger. So when they criticize you, just stonewall them go flat face and ignore it you know that what they're saying is bullshit so you don't need to to react to it she also suggests being very careful not to admit mistakes to your ex which is counterintuitive for somebody like me i try to be as accountable as possible and i but i do think that like that is something i'm prone to is almost over accountability and admitting that you made a mistake is something that they may never let you live down so try to avoid that to the best of your ability make sure that your expectations are not too high Expect it to be difficult, because it will be. You want to make sure that you're not assuming it's going to get easier. Like, unfortunately, that's probably what you're in for the long haul. Some other things that might make co-parenting harder and may not lead to parallel parenting necessarily, but might be one of those scenarios where you would have to pick and choose what parts of of co-parenting and what parts of parallel parenting you're going to use would be like substance abuse issues or other mental illnesses. Like, I mean, even as somebody with ADHD, I feel like I could be a difficult person to co-parent with just because I am prone to forgetting and I don't want my ex to have to feel like they are parenting a third child when they have to remind me, oh, the textbook fees are due. (laughs) Did you pay those so our children can stay in school or they have this event coming up? Oh, I got to pay those textbook (laughs) fees. (laughs) So there, you know, there are a lot of things that could make it a little more difficult. I think if you are working towards co-parenting, 
the most important thing is to have patience. Breakups are never easy in general, like period. They're just, they're a shitty, difficult thing to go through. And when you have had children with somebody and then end up breaking up, you have all of those feelings that you have when you break up with somebody, but you also have to, you know, continue to give your children a healthy, happy life. So try your best to put your feelings aside in those moments. Like you want to feel your feelings. You want to be authentic with yourself about what you're feeling. But in front of your child is not the place to be bad mouthing your ex or bringing up every flaw that they have. Like do that away from another thing is some people won't necessarily say that to their child but if they're talking to somebody else about their ex around their child then those things kind of get overheard and like create some animosity too yeah i think that it's really unfortunately easy to forget that your kids are small human Mm -hmm. beings sometimes that have their own thoughts and feelings and awareness of things. And sometimes you may be venting to a friend on the phone when your kid is in the other room and not thinking about it, but you're saying all these things like, oh, I can't believe he did this thing and he was so irresponsible and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're listening to that and soaking it in, even if you're not saying it directly to them. I think something that I am worried about with co-parenting I feel like as far as co-parenting relationships go David and I are primed to be good at it like we are both very accepting easygoing people really and I feel like we parented really well together as partners and I don't foresee that changing in the future if anything I feel like like where we are in terms of our our children's well-being is even better like we're like hyper aware of it right now what concerns me is and I'm sure this is an issue for many people is like when we start dating and I know that I can be friendly and accepting and not like there's never going to be a time David's going to have a girlfriend around and I'm going to be like, fuck that girl. You know what I mean? Like, to her, like I'm not going to be in the room with him like, this bitch right here. Get her I out don't of want here. her in my house. Right. Unless she's doing something that's harmful to my children, which I accept that I am not a perfect person. So, like, I would probably, if she, if she was doing something that I thought was harmful to my children, I'd probably be like, hey, you're doing this. I'm sure you don't mean it to be harmful, but, you know, it's clearly bothering him. He's been talking to me about it. Like, can we come to some kind of compromise, like, over whatever the issue is? But my issue is, the issue with David and I's relationship, like, for me, was there was not a lot of Mm -hmm. affection. Like, we didn't hold hands, we didn't cuddle, etc., And I'm deeply concerned that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, we're going to be on a joint family trip to the zoo or something, and he's going to be holding his wife's hand or something, and I'm going to be like, oh, oh, that's that's cool, neat. And I'll be back to, like, day one Mm -hmm. of broken up. Doesn't matter how healed I am. If I'm in a healthy, stable secure relationship i'm gonna be like cool just gonna go (laughs) not cry in the bathroom (laughs) not at all (laughs) i feel like while i deeply want to be one of those families where we can all be friends me and his girlfriends can have girls nights together and we can 
her and I can go take the kids out to do things and whatever. Like we can have this fairy tale relationship. I feel like that's a difficult path to manage. And I'm not, I don't, I don't really know how it's going to play out in the future, but I guess, you know, I just wanted to mention that I think that will be (laughs) shitty for me. I'm not excited about it. (laughs) No dating for David. No. I mean, I'm going to date. That's going to be fine. (laughs) He'll he'll deal. So starting out 10, almost 11 years ago, whenever I left my first husband, I had no thought of us ever having like a decent co-parenting relationship. I mean, I I, obviously we both wanted what was best for the kids, but I didn't think we were going to ever get to a a point, especially where it was like, okay, we can get along. We can go to school functions together. It took a very long time. It took up until the past maybe two years for us to actually... Well, for me, I'll be honest. I mean, he, I think he, a little bit before then, he actually maybe tried to be cordial. But for me, there was a lot of resentment there. And there was a lot of, I mean, jealousy on my, on Devin's end too, as far as my first husband goes. So we had to work through that. But now, like, we're at the point where we can go to school functions together. Hell, I went to his sister's wedding, which his sister's been a friend of mine way before we were ever together anyways. But, um... I can go and spend time with his family and be cordial and we can talk like friends and stuff like that instead of arguing about what's best for the kids and we can work together and figure that out. So right now with my second husband, I'm kind of in that spot where I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to that point where, because we've had our ups and downs, it's still relatively fresh and, you know, our daughter is still kind of dealing with all of the repercussions of our separation and all of that. There's a lot of pain, but we're trying to work through it. I don't foresee us becoming like to the point where we're going to be best friends or, <laughs> or go on family trips together, but right. that could change. Like, I, I mean, there's no telling I, we've talked to many of our listeners in preparation for this episode as well, too. And there's so many stories where it's like, we literally hated each other. And then 10 years later, they're getting family pictures made together. <laughs> like with their with their new families right, and stuff, too. Right. I think that's the thing is like, when you start out hating each other, and then, oh, it turns out 10 years later, you guys can hang out and have family pictures done and stuff like that. Like a lot of that is just healing from the relationship, which like back to what I mentioned, I think really my core issue is that with how fresh everything is, I'm like, I'm never going to. Right, right, right. I'm never getting over it. You know what I mean? And that's not realistic. Like, I think that I'm sure I felt the same way when my last boyfriend and I broke up, you know, like, well, I'm never getting over that, you know? You do. But it takes time. A lot of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that when you're in that state where you are actively working towards Mm -hmm. being healed from it, it does seem impossible. Like you would never be able to think I'm never not going to hate what this person did or how they treated me or how we were together or them for leaving me or whatever it is. But back to what you were saying, you mentioned jealousy between Andy and Devin and I'm, I'm, uh... I'm curious. Was that Devin yes. was jealous of yes. Andy? Uh, I think I... it was wow, both. I that, think it was both. That legitimately, legitimately? blows my mind. Legitimately? Like, 
Legitimately blows, blows my mind. <laughs> legitimately. It legitimately blows my mind. Uh, <laughs> listen, it's been a hard No, week. I don't. Leave it I in. Can, leave, I can make leave, up words. Leave legitimately in. We'll put it on a mug. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. Uh, <laughs> too legit to quit. <laughs> but yes. Um, but yeah, like I can, I can see like, and, and that's something that when I, I did my very minimal research on co-parenting, because I didn't know what I was looking into, <laughs> um, that was something that I came across a lot was like your new partner actually being jealous of how much you right, communicate right. with your old partner because you have children together and they're always right. going to be a part of your lives, whether, whether you are friends with them, can be friendly with them, or even if it's a more of a hostile relationship. Like, you're still taking time away right. from your partner right. in their eyes. So it makes sense. But I think it just, knowing you and Andy's history and, you know, everything with your relationship, like, I can't believe anybody that would date you and know the same would be like... I'm worried about that. Like, like you're going back. So just to clarify, I think it was less jealousy towards... I mean, there is a little bit of jealousy there, I'm sure, because obviously there's history and you're always going to have that, like, mm, but maybe, like, I don't think that's going to, they're going to go right, back, but yeah. maybe they will, like, but it was less jealousy towards that and our history and more jealousy towards the way the children reacted to Andy, because mm. during that time, Andy was a very absentee father, and I, yeah. he's definitely come leaps and bounds since then but he went through a lot of shit his own personal shit that he had to kind of overcome and during that time he wasn't super involved in the kids lives and Devin really like without even me expecting it really did step up to the plate and helped out with them a lot and he you know he would do homework with them he would do all these parenting things he was a major father figure in their lives but Devin would be at every single school function or what have you but their dad would come to one and they'd be like oh my god and like they never had the same reaction right, to Devin right. because that's that was what they knew and then yeah. and understandably from their perspective too they were excited to see their dad. I know exactly how they were feeling. Yeah, I get it. But he was jealous of that portion of it more than actually our relationship. Yeah, yeah that mm -hmm. and that totally makes sense. Like, I feel like the same thing happens even in a relationship with, like, a mom and a dad. Like, if you have a mother that is doing all the cooking mm -hmm. and all the cleaning and all the actual caregiving right. of the children she's taking care of all their physical and emotional needs and then you have dad who comes into play and somehow right. dad is the favorite when you're putting in hundreds of right. hours right. a week <laughs> into keeping your children safe and happy and he comes in and wrestles with them on the floor for an hour and they are just like dad's right. the cool right. dad right. he's the cool parent it's the same same yeah. situation. Like, Devin was putting in all the hard work mm -hmm. all the time, all the effort, and all the stability that they, sh they should right. have. The things that one day they're going to look back and really right. appreciate. But it still, unfortunately, you know, does not take the place of their biological mm -hmm. father or the acceptance that they're always right. going to want Absolutely, from him. yeah. So, yeah, his feelings. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, as much as Devin and I... Like, our relationship obviously didn't work out. I think he did a phenomenal job as far as parenting both my 
children from my first marriage and our child together. And his feelings were very valid in that moment, but it did cause a little bit of a rift. So, yeah. And that's, that's another thing is like my, my brother is in a very similar situation where his two oldest girls are not biologically Mm -hmm. his. You know, he was with his high school girlfriend and she left him and got pregnant. They got back together and she left him (laughs) and got pregnant again and they got back together within like two years. So my oldest two nieces are like a year and a half apart, but he had been with her since the younger one was literally mm-hmm. six months old, you know, and and it's kind of the same thing. And I love my nieces to death. And obviously, I don't hold it against them. They are mm-hmm. children. But like, you know, there are times when their real dad would be in the picture that they would be so excited that he was there. And it was the same situation for my brother was he was like, you know, I'm providing you with a home and food and this somewhat stable environment. And this guy shows mm-hmm. up for an hour and you're over right. the moon for him. And I could see where that could be hurtful. And again, like you can't, you can't blame the kids mm-hmm. for that. Like there's something innate about wanting your parents to right. fucking want right. you and to want to be around you. Like that's, that's a natural thing. And I don't doubt for a second that my nieces appreciate what CJ has done for them. And you know, that they see as his family and, but it still is never going to replace right. their dad. Like even, even though right. they call my brother dad, it's still not going <laughs> to still right. not the same. And thing. coming from somebody who experienced that as a child too where it was like I um we've talked about my dad before multiple times in this podcast but like I was essentially raised throughout my formative years by my stepdad or my mom's second husband and you know I definitely have a lot of respect for him and what effort he put into helping provide for us but that didn't change the fact that I wanted my dad to be there. So every time my dad would come back around, that's what I would want. And I feel like I would do the same thing. So I understand it from that perspective Mm -hmm. too. And I understand it from the parents' perspective because yeah, that would be frustrating. It just, it just comes back to the whole thing with Mm -hmm. co-parenting from any aspect, whether you're a step parent, a child or a parent, it comes down to being understanding Mm -hmm. that it's a difficult situation that you're in, you know, and that everyone's feelings yeah. are valid like the the jealousy and the hurt and the sadness it's all 100% valid and you know like i can only imagine how hard it is for a kid to like mm-hmm. for your kids to love devin right. as their stepdad and to also love their dad and not want to hurt right. either one's feelings, but also want to be authentic with right. their own feelings. Like, they don't want to have to hide the fact that they mm-hmm. love their dad or that they love their stepdad, depending on who they're with. Like, right. that doesn't make sense. Like, so it just, it, it goes back to being just completely honest with your kids. And, hey, it's okay that you miss your stepmom mm-hmm. or your dad or people that are in mm-hmm. your other house. Like, yeah, that's yeah. 100% fine. And you, you as the adult, just have to accept that, you know? Like, you can't be petty and jealous over what what your kids are feeling. Yeah, feelings. definitely definitely putting yourself like even if it's not something that you personally have been through, putting yourself in the kids perspective. Like what if I were in their shoes right, right now and I were going through the same situation what one what would be the best option for me and two how would I be feeling? So like finding a way right. to validate those feelings because it's 
co-parenting and, you know, whatever type of parenting you're capable of doing post-separation is, like I said before, there's no black or white. It's entirely gray area. It's very multifaceted. You just got to find what works for you. But at the end of the day, it's about recognizing what's best for those kids and what's going to be most beneficial for them. (laughs) Chances are the reason you're getting divorced is because you have some Mm -hmm. trauma that has affected your relationship. And trying not to make that the same case for your children is the goal here. You don't want to make them feel like they can't have a successful relationship or can't be honest Mm -hmm. with feelings, Mm -hmm. etc. Absolutely. So as I had said earlier, we had spoken to several of our listeners. I reached out a little bit of a plug here. We have a Facebook group now. It's called Self-Satisfied Fam. So if you want to be a part of it, look it up. But we asked a question on there towards our listeners about co-parenting experiences. And several reached out to us. So we're just going to share some of them. It's vastly different between each situation and scenario. So it's really fascinating to kind of see how one person handles this versus how another person handles this and how it ultimately ends up being, in most situations, being the most beneficial thing for the child. One woman reached out to us. She had started dating somebody who had two sons at the beginning of the relationship who he wasn't involved with. And when they were dating, she just kind of didn't interfere, didn't didn't want to step on anyone's toes or anything like that until she got pregnant and realized that she didn't want that for her child and it wasn't fair to those children. So she really got involved in the boys' lives and kind of essentially pushed the dad to get involved in the boys' lives. And at that point, the mom was very helpful, very accommodating. A few years later, they'd split up. And, you know, at that point, the dad had said that he didn't want her to be involved in their lives at all, you know, tried to keep them from her. So she just ultimately ended up going through the mother of her two stepsons to kind of try to stay in their lives. And she still sees them as her children, which I think is phenomenal. I know recently she had one of them had come to live with her for a little bit because he was in a little bit of trouble, you know, He had one had a pregnancy scare at one point and he had come to her about it and talked to her about it. And they just have a very open and honest relationship with her and her daughter. After that separation, it was very difficult because, you know, the daughter didn't want to go to her dad because and I think that's fairly common in new separations because it's not what they're used to. So it's a big change for them. But she wouldn't go to her dad's house. Eventually, they got to a point where they could kind of co-parent reasonably until drugs got involved and substance abuse. And it's just what we were talking about earlier is like you can co-parent and and then something like mental health or substance abuse can kind of interrupt that. So that definitely affected everything as far as the co-parenting relationship. It kind of became a little bit more more absent. And at this point, the daughter is just not involved in his life by choice, which I can understand too, because I've also felt that before. He's tried to reach out to her, but, and who knows, maybe she'll come around to the point where, you know, she's ready to forgive. But if not, that's fine too. There, You don't have to forgive the people who've hurt you like it's not it's not a requirement but she's definitely has a lot of issues like she gets upset because of it she's you know 
her mom just recently put her into some counseling and some therapy for it, which I think is phenomenal. I just love hearing parents who are raising such self-aware kids and are also very involved in their kids' mental health because it's vitally important. And I feel like if a lot more people let their kids go to therapy or whatever, then the world might be a better place. <laughs> she Absolutely. has abandonment issues through that. And that's completely fair. Also, she they have guardianship of their nieces. The mom essentially just dropped off her kids and didn't come back. There was a lot of physical abuse as far as the dad goes in that and they've had them for several months at this point and the mom's seen them four times they are trying to get to a point where they make the make their nieces feel safe and comfortable with them however the nieces are i believe six and ten and they are already scared because they've never kind of had that relationship they've never stayed in one place for too long so they have they already have those abandonment issues they just assure them that we're not going to leave you. I mean, regardless of whatever happens, we're not going to replace your mom. We're not going to be, we're not going to do any of that, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you like other people have. So just providing that secure environment for them has really helped them. But whenever kids are upset, they typically lash out and they typically get angry because they don't understand how to express those emotions. And that's one thing I've seen very consistently in all of the stories that I've read and with my own children. Right. I could see just with me and my own personal brand Mm -hmm. of issues in a situation like that, if I had been taken from or left by my parents with another family and did feel safe and secure, that's great. Like, okay, they're not going to leave me. But I would also kind of always feel like, okay, but if my mom comes back and wants me back, I'm going to go with my mom. And what if things Mm -hmm. don't change? Like, I feel like I would have this sense of, I don't want to get too comfortable here because my mom could come back and take me back and I could be back in that situation. You know, like, I'm sure her aunt is taking good care of her and, you know, showing her love and everything or them. But I feel like even at a young age, you would kind of have that sense of, ah, I better not get right, used right. to it. You know, like that would be really hard Absolutely. for a kid. I can see that too. One more. She had all sorts of co-parenting <laughs> stories for me. So it was fun. <laughs> She's really it was in fun. Um, she also has a stepson. So her wife's son co-parenting with her wife's ex was very difficult at first and there was a lot of back and forth they would argue and get violent well backtrack the son when they first started um her and her wife first started dating he would come over and he would argue and he would get violent he would be angry and the root of all of that ended up being that he thought that if he was getting close to her then then the other mom would get jealous. So once again, just it resulted in being assured that no, we're not replacing anyone. We're just here. Like we're bonus. (laughs) We're like a bonus parent. Um, Right. You can have your mom and me. It's okay. So (laughs) the mom had essentially ended up kind of becoming a little absent from his life and moving away, which she still involved herself. But then at that point, he started kind of getting closer to her again and kind of seeing that she was there for him. And when when his other mom came back 
around, there were some hiccups. They had to set some boundaries and they had to have a really good, thorough conversation about, like, if we're going to make this work for his best interest, that these are the steps we need to take. And he had gone through some other behavioral issues while she was kind of absent. And when she came back around, he definitely, like, his behavior improved. And now they all work well together to parent their son and and their stepson and are doing a good job of it. I guess he helped his mom pick out presents for her and her wife. So that was cool. They got to a point where after several years, they can get, you know, kind of get to a point where they can respect each other. Right. That animosity from the breakup mm-hmm. ends, you know, you can you can focus on what you really need to be focusing on, which is making sure your your child has the best relationship right, right. with everybody as and possible. And there's a lot of things to kind of overcome in any situation, which obviously, like I said, this is, there's like four situations here. So, <laughs> And each one is completely different than the other. Everyone's going to have their own things that they kind of have to work through. And maybe, maybe you don't aren't capable of getting to a point where you can, you know, co-parent or pick out gifts for the other parent together or something like that, but just kind of doing whatever's best for them and whatever's best for you. Yeah. And I I think in that scenario, I, I'm fairly certain I know who you're talking about. And I have personally known four out of five (laughs) of those parents involved. (laughs) I was really good friends with three of them at various points in my life. And I know that the listener, her original two stepsons, I know their mother, and I know that they had a great co-parenting relationship for a long time. And I think that, again, it's just really, yeah, it's really about just being mature Mm -hmm. and understanding that, you know, it's, you have to put your feelings for one another romantically aside and accept that that person is moving on and that's okay. And, you know, just like I said, really focus on, Mm -hmm. on your kid. Absolutely. So this next person is a little less complicated. (laughs) Uh, Their, their, their story is a little less complicated. I'm sure as a person, they're not, (laughs) I'm sure they're very No one is uncomplicated. Uh, We're all complicated in our own fucking way. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. So this person has been with their husband for eight years. They've been married for seven. She says that his daughter's mom is a saint, and initially they did have their issues where the ex-wife had thought that the new wife was mistreating her Mm -hmm. daughter or that she was allowing her husband to mistreat his daughter. And they were fortunately able to explain that that was not the case and it was kind of a house versus house scenario and the stepdaughter was kind of trying to play both families to get what they wanted out of each household. So she would lie or exaggerate what happened here and then the mom, instead of bringing it up, would not confront them about it and she would just believe her daughter and, you know, let it build up. And it was basically uh, a ploy, I guess, to force the husband to do what he was supposed to be doing with his psychiatrist and therapist. She said that her stepson's mom is a narcissist and they do not co-parent well together. Like I said, that is a a hard ship to sail. In the beginning, the stepson's mom thought that the stepmom 
was trash because she didn't know what she was doing. She had never been a parent before, etc. And now she is called trash for quitting her job so that she could help out more with the schedules while the mom has a lot of her own shit going on with legal things. So basically, no matter what she does, she's Mm going to be wrong in the biological mother's eyes and they can literally never gain any ground with her unless they're 100% agreeing to everything that she says. As far as the impact that the relationships with both biological mothers has had on the children, this woman says that you can tell that the stepson feels like he's kind of divided and has to pick Mm -hmm. a side. And he's super open with his stepmom and tells her that she's the only one who asks him how he feels. If you ask his biological mother and grandfather then they'll tell you that he absolutely hates being with his father and stepmom and he hates being there. But while he is at their house, he doesn't want to leave when it's time to go. He, he wants to stay with them. Um, he'll say that he, that it's taking a toll on him. She says that it, her, the girl is very, her stepdaughter is very emotional. And, you know, every time they talk about, the stuff that, you know, her daughter gets mm-hmm. worked up and, and there are tears involved with both of them. And she tries to tell them that, you know, like I said before, she tries to tell them it's okay. It's okay to feel torn, mm-hmm. that you don't really know how to navigate these relationships, that it's okay to miss people in the other house and and just miss the other house. Yeah. Like maybe you're more comfortable yeah. in your other room or whatever. And that it's really normal to be confused. But if you don't talk about it, then... They can't do anything. I know to that help. that's something I forgot to bring up earlier, but that's my daughter has gone through that. Too. Like my first husband has a great relationship with them now, and my son is actually going to be moving there because it's just I, we both kind of feel like it's what's best for him. But she likes going there. She likes visiting her family and her father. But she feels comfortable here. Like it's her. This is her house, and she doesn't want to be there as often because she wants to be in her room playing Zelda or (laughs) doing whatever. And that's, that's pretty normal for kids too. Right. And then this woman also says that like at sporting events or school functions, the stepdaughter and her mom, they can, you know, they can be together. They can sit by each other, have conversations. They'll even take group pics after. But with the stepson, she went to one event and met his mom and it did not go well. So she only goes if the kid requests mm-hmm. it. And then she just tries to deal with it as best as she can. And I imagine that's, like I said, there's a term with narcissists called gray rocking, where basically you just don't let what they say affect you or you don't show them the effect of what they're right. saying on you. And I imagine that's what it is, is just kind of tolerating the verbal onslaught mm-hmm. of things. So if this mother is saying, is talking shit, then the stepmom is just letting it kind of roll off of her. So, I mean, it sounds like they are dealing with some tough shit, but are navigating it in the best way they, they possibly can by doing, you know, everything that they can just to make their kids feel mm-hmm. comfortable. So the safe. next story is actually a twofer. So it's it's actually two people that I know that I'm friends with, and I've seen their relationship via social media, and I've, I've talked to them in person and stuff too and seen them together but I've watched it kind of blossom over the past several years from 
a point where they absolutely hated each other to a point where they're essentially best friends. So I talked to them both to kind of get their perspective on how it started and where it is now and how it got to that point. So the stepmom in the scenario, she said, you know, it started terribly. I hated her. She hated me. They were both just really mean and hateful and she said now like I look back and I think how can you blame her she was going through a divorce taking care of a three-year-old and a two-year-old trying to pay bills be a mom work and all of that everything was ripped from her and looking back I can't imagine that feeling so essentially she didn't get it at the time and they fought over having the kids not having them um and every single day it was up and down um and they both got pregnant within the same year of each other. The mom got remarried and her and the father had a baby. The babies are 13 months apart. So during that time, things started to get a little bit better. And the stepmom kind of saw that what it was like to be a mom, I guess. Um, and she had this realization, like, I didn't need to hate her because I wasn't married to her. I needed to get to know her on my own terms. Um... I didn't need to know all the negatives that her husband had said or anything like that. Maybe she wasn't the best wife and her husband wasn't the best husband to her, but that doesn't change that they're both good people and that the mom is strong. She has a heart of gold and really has been an amazing friend, an amazing mom, and amazing wife to her new husband. And then the other mom said, you know, at the beginning, I hated her too. Like, I hated her, I hated him, and I was hurt. I was hurt badly, but not long after that, I had started working on taking care of myself. So I learned to forgive him, which wasn't easy, but... Um, you don't forgive your, you don't forgive for their actions, you forgive for yourself. I realized that I had absolutely no chance of healing until that was done. And then one of her big struggles was the time whenever, whenever the kids would switch over. So there was a lot of anger and the kids had a difficult time transitioning with that. And one of the daughters had cried because she didn't want to leave mom. And that just broke her heart because she felt like she was missing out on all that time together. At one point, shortly after that, before each mom had had the next set of babies, I guess, <laughs> they had the stepmom and the husband had broken up for a short while and the stepmom actually ended up calling her and asking her what she should do should she go back to him or not like kind of getting her perspective and she said at that time I realized that even though we had our own problems and me and my ex had our problems I knew how much he cared for her I knew she wasn't somebody who did like who was involved in bad things like drugs or anything like that. And the girls really cared for her. So she kind of helped guide her through that, which I think is a very mature thing to do. I feel like that would be difficult for me. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I've never been in that, that situation, right. but I think that's a really, really mature way to look at it. You know, Absolutely. even after that, it still kind of was difficult and a little up and down until... They had 
their daughters and with the older girls they started doing events like at, at school functions and preschools and Girl Scouts and stuff like that together and they just ended up spending more time together and it always ended up them talking about the kids and they just got to a point where they became really close and at this time they are like they still have disagreements however those disagreements aren't what they were what they started as where it would be like screaming and fighting and, and name calling and all of that they can talk those disagreements out in a mature manner and they both realize how much they each love the children and how wonderful they are for those kids involved and how wonderful that re relationship is so often when the husbands are at work it's the moms who are hanging out with the girls and they actually they just got family pictures together they go on trips together and do all these family functions together so that's just one of those that I have always been really inspired by seeing that it it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a good relationship starting off, but it became something like blossomed into something really wonderful. And they both said, you know, I asked them what the impact was on the girls. And they both said that they can tell like a huge difference between the way the daughters reacted because, you know, you had them screaming and crying because they didn't want to go to one parent's house. Whereas now it's a much easier transition between each parent's house. There's a lot of communication and there's a lot of like, if they're grounded at one house, they're grounded at another things like that. One thing they said is like, we know this isn't something that everyone can do. There's problems that are far beyond everyone's reach and certain situations that you can't control that maybe make this impossible. But it does take a little bit of work. So I mean, you can't just go into it and it's like, all right, fine, I'm just gonna like this person. Like you actually have to work towards that. So I thought that right. was a great story. Yeah, I, I think, like you said there at the end, I was going to mention, that's the ideal, right, right. I feel like, their end, mm -hmm. end yeah. game there. But if you're not there, or you don't ever mm -hmm. get there, I don't want people to feel like they're right. failing if they can't be friends with their ex-husband's right. wife. Like, that is a, that's right. a hard ask, okay? And it is... Just like in a romantic relationship, it takes mm -hmm. two to tango, you know? So you might be doing everything you can to be amicable and friendly and accepting, and they're just not receiving mm -hmm. that or giving mm -hmm. it back to you. And, you know, there's only so much you can control. So, you know, don't feel like you're a bad father or mother because you don't have that yeah. either. As long as you're doing the best that you can, you know, that's, that's really oh, what's yeah. important. I, I absolutely agree because like I said, I'm certainly not there. And <laughs> like, I, right. I don't know if I ever will be. Right. And it is like, that is definitely an ideal relationship. And I'm so thankful that they are capable of having that. And, but yeah, like you could see it started off very difficult. It wasn't always easy for them either. But if it doesn't right. get better, as long as you're taking steps to make sure that what you're doing is in the kid's best interest. So Right. Right. I feel like it is extremely hard to find somebody to have children with that you agree with every little thing about parenting on or that you can discuss that and it not end up in a fight, etc. And that's one person, you know, in a, in a close relationship, when you're adding a third mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. into that or a fourth person or maybe a fifth person, yeah. like <laughs> so many people. people out of everywhere, <laughs> like it's only going to get more right. complicated. The chances that I would have a spouse or David would have a spouse and that all four mm -hmm. of us 
agree completely on everything about parenting is extremely right, right, small. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, that's not likely mm-hmm. to happen. Like there's going to be disagreements and it's it's about handling those disagreements maturely, not attacking right. one another for them, unless it's something that is truly right. harmful. Like obviously if, you know, David has a wife who's like smacking my kid in the face, okay, that's, that's a major issue. I'm not going to handle right, that right, one right. kindly. But if she just handles mealtime differently. Like you have to be able to relinquish control and accept that they're not going to be parented maybe the exact same way at one house as right. they are the other. As long as the the baseline, as long as you have your boundaries set, like you said, hey, I've grounded them from TV for the weekend. Here's the reason. I know they're going to your house later, but you know, I'd really appreciate it if they were not allowed to watch TV. And, you know, you have that open communication. And, you know, there might be times when, like, for instance, with Foster with his iPad, if Foster is here and I ground him from his iPad and then I send him to David's house and I'm like, hey, he's grounded from his iPad. But David has a bunch of prep work he has to do for school. And that's the only way to keep Foster distracted. Like, you also have to understand, Mm -hmm. like, sometimes there's going to be shit that is it's not going to work out and you know maybe maybe at david's house instead of being grounded from the ipad he's grounded from something else and you have to be able to compromise and understand that life is different for everybody and compromise is important so this next listener says that their experiences with their ex there was a lot of manipulation at first the son's father did everything in his power to make it look like she had left him for no reason like she just decided you know what I'm just going to be petty and I'm out. And he used to call CPS on her all the time just to kind of make trouble for her. Like she would feel like they were getting along fine. Everything was going great. And then all of a sudden CPS would be knocking at her door. She also said that physical violence was a factor for a while. She said that they've been working on it for years and they finally made it to a point where their co-parenting was good. They obviously, they don't agree on everything, but their son is no longer in the loop on what they agree or disagree on. When it comes to things that she thought made co-parenting easier that made that a possibility was a big thing was accountability. She said that taking accountability for their actions has helped immensely and that they stopped letting their son have a say in their conversation. So it used to be that they would have all these adult conversations with him right there. So, you know, drop off or pick up. They may be talking about, you know, here's what you did this weekend that Mm -hmm. I don't like, or you didn't let him do X, Y, or Z. Did you, et cetera, et cetera. And they stopped having those conversations in front of him, which I think is smart because I do think that children... Because their moral compass is not as strong as an adult's, which, I mean, most adults are pretty shitty anyway. (laughs) But, but like, children, they're going to manipulate where they can to get what they want. They're children, you know? So if they know that they can use something against mom or use something against dad to get their way, they're going to. So if you're having these conversations about, I don't want you to do this at, at your house with him, they're going to listen to that and think, okay, how can I how can I play this to my advantage? So they stopped having those conversations in front of him and they said that his behavior has gotten a lot better in the last year. It's not where they want it to be most days and some days are a complete struggle to get through. But now she knows that she has backup when she calls the other parent instead of it being, well, he wouldn't act like this if you didn't do X, Y, or Z or starting an argument in front Mm -hmm. of their kid. Now it's a a, more of a support system. Yeah, I know that was like having a kid that 
kind of feels like there's no reason for their parents to split up is really hard. I'm going through that with my youngest right now. Like, she'll ask me constantly, why did you leave? Why did you break up with my dad? And I'm like, uh. and I, I'm not saying that it's because she's heard that from any side or that he's tried to manipulate her. It's not the same situation. But kids definitely, if they're being told that or they're exposed to that, then it's easy to kind of, they already kind of have that in the back of their mind. So it's right. easy for them to get frustrated with one parent. Right. It, it's difficult, I think, for small children especially, because while they are little people who are absorbing mm-hmm. things, like, they don't understand relationships. Like, you're the only relationship they, they really right. witness right. on a regular basis. So whatever you're doing, whether it's toxic or just not happy or whether it's a great relationship, that's their idea of what a relationship right. should be. So when it ends, they don't understand why. Even if you guys were, you know, screaming at each other 24-7, they don't under- necessarily understand that that was a bad thing. They think that that's what a relationship was. So they don't get why you would want to leave it. And so if you're constantly pointing the blame at your ex for, oh, I can't believe they they left me, then, you know, that, that child's going to kind of start to internalize that and be like, yeah, why did mm-hmm. you? Why did you leave? Even if it's not an intentional, like, shit-talking of that parent. Like, you might, again, just be talking to a friend saying, you know, David left me or whatever. And your children are overhearing that. And they're running with it in their own minds. And then they're going to be curious about it. Or it might build up some resentment towards that parent. And I think it's normal. It's also normal, like, kids, especially if... All they've ever known for most of their life is their parents, one, their parents being together, but also not having to share time between their parents. Um, It's difficult. Mm -hmm. Like with Cora, we have joint custody of her, but it really kind of revolves around my work schedule because I work retail management. So it's not like it's not a consistent schedule by any means. Um, So there was one time when I had the weekend off and she was there for like four days in a row and I actually had... mm, I think three out of four of those days off. And I told her that. And she said, I have you for the whole weekend. I was like, oh, but that's not something she has ever been used to prior to that. So I think, you know, realizing like, yes, that's an adjustment in and of itself is just having to share that time with you. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I have. That's it for listener experiences with co-parenting. Feel free to continue to share your experiences either in the self-satisfied band group or, you know, you could send us messages to to let us know how you are navigating co-parenting because, like I said, it is a new experience for me and I'm sure I've got a lot to learn about it. So we've got a few listener bright spots this week. Cassie, you want to start it off? So, first bright spot is from Julie, and her bright spot for the week is having a girls' day with her daughter, Michaela. So, looks like you guys had a lot of fun. I'm so happy for you both. And she also added a picture to it. This was in the group, and her daughter is adorable. Brittany also says, I know Brittany from work at a past company and her bright spot was I didn't know until now how much I've missed you from hearing your voice on the podcast you were a positive influence in my life when you were my boss thank you for always being there for me and for listening I've had a hard time in the past few years keep spreading all your positive vibes and love so that was that's kind of a little bright spot for me too because that was so sweet (laughs) and that meant a lot thank you Brittany and I 
I second that I adore Cassie and her positive I thoughts. And I've seen Brittany <laughs> go, I've watched her through some of her struggles, and she's definitely um, grown a lot, too. So I'm proud of the growth that she's done. Yeah, but thank you for that. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. My cousin Lori Ann posted that they got to bring her sweet girl Nova home, and seeing the smile on her husband's face doing so was her bright spot. Nova is their new German Shepherd puppy that she got from my dad, and she is a total angel. <laughs> she is. I oh my cannot God. wait to meet I her. I was about to specify that Nova was a puppy and not a person, but. <laughs> Yeah. But she is. She's <laughs> precious. I just can't wait to snuggle her face. Right. As much as I absolutely love my golden retrievers, I grew up with German Shepherds my whole life, and they are the most amazing mm-hmm. dog, mm-hmm. and I definitely hope to have one yeah. someday, which I will get for dirt cheap, I hope, Dad. <laughs> I would I also like to have one. I would also like to have one, sir. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, who we met up with the weekend, her bright spot was getting to see me and Cassie. And she posted that Saturday on the day that we were getting to see her. And then Sharia's bright spot was getting to snuggle with her demon niece, Isla, who is an absolute angel. I don't even know what they're talking about. She's a total 100%. Yeah, angel she lady. is. Have never seen her do um, anything. I I have, but I, not much. Not <laughs> I I only see her for like an hour or two every couple of yeah. months. I've but... seen her a few times right before bedtime. So, but but also <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know. I usually when I see her, she's around Cora. So she's great. She's an angel <laughs> comparatively. The, the most demonic thing she does around me is refuse to give me hugs, which I can accept because bodily autonomy. That's it. <laughs> all right. Um, that's all we have. So is there anything else you have to add? So next time in two weeks now, we will be discussing trauma, which will be a big episode. So I think this is a great time for us to shift to two weeks because this is not a topic that I want to skimp on research for. for. So we are excited to dive into that. We're going to be talking about the big T's and little T's. Spilling the tea. Yes. Very important. (laughs) Yes, spilling the tea. (laughs) We are funny and traumatized. The best way to deal with your trauma is humor. (laughs) My therapist probably agrees. Sure, I mean, I've I've made my therapist laugh a few times, so I I think that's her um, just validating that. Yeah, is making my therapist laugh out of frustration the same thing? Does she laugh out of frustration? Like when she basically does the human version of the emoji where it's smiling, but it has the sweat dripping down. <laughs> oh, That's my therapist for an hour yeah. every week. I, <laughs> She's like, oh, God, what am that's I That's not genuine laughter because that's kind of what... Ooh. Okay, oops. <laughs> All right, so we will talk to you guys in a couple of weeks then. Have a good two weeks. <laughs>